0: Tight Zone World. Episode 75. Featuring Our Lover. Let's go in. <sighs> Tight Zone World. It's been a wild week. I'm still on tour with Gavin Riley. We had a car accident go down in Houston. And, um,. I put something out on Facebook basically saying if you want to buy some stuff from the Hype archives um, on Bandcamp, this would be an ideal time to do so. And at this point, people have bought so much stuff that it basically paid for all the damages of the accident. And um, I can't believe it. I've never done any kind of... GoFundMe or Kickstarter thing because I always kind of thought you needed to reserve that for like a real bad situation or an emergency, and I did, and I just can't thank everybody enough for doing that. It's really incredible. Um, But on with the show, we got Al Lover this week. He's a great friend of mine. And a great collaborator and one of my favorite musicians. And it was a real cool interview. We did it through Skype, so it sounds a little different. But it's real tight. The artwork this week, as always, is by Mike Riley at MikeRileyComics.com. And we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at SpliceToday.com. Let's, Let's go, go, in. go
1: I grew up in Asheville. North Carolina, um, mountain town in western North Carolina, like on the border of Tennessee, kind of artsy hippie town, kind of. I mean, it was like a little community kind of outside of downtown. Um, I don't know if it would be called a suburb because it's not really enough of like a metropolis to have a suburb, but it was like a neighborhood, I guess. Um, That was fairly close to the downtown area. You know, if you could call it a downtown area.
0: Was it like a hippie town back then, like the way it is now?
1: It was blossoming hippie town, I guess. I mean, I think that's why my folks moved there initially is because it was like one of those spots that was kind of not really popping. But people were moving there that were creative minded. Um, So, yeah, it was there. I mean, I remember, I guess at least like when I was a teenager, you know, there was like art galleries everywhere and coffee houses and that kind of bohemian beatnik runoff shit. And what were your parents like? Oh, they were chill. Uh, My dad's like, he was a graphic designer, fine artist, and my mom was a ballet dancer. So it was like super art, artsy environment.
0: Oh, I never knew that that's what your mom did
1: yeah yeah I mean or, she was still she was does stuff too, but yeah, like that was her you know her passion for a while.
0: seems like you inherited like a super tight music taste from your parents.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, my dad was up on all the good rock and roll stuff back in the day. I mean, he liked you know classic blues and country, western rock and roll, you know, you know, he was all he was a motorcycle dude, so he was listening to like you know. James Gang and like Stooges and Velvet Underground and stuff like that. And he was from the North, uh, like the Northeast, like Ohio, New York, Ohio is kind of like where my folks, New York, Ohio, Michigan is like kind of where my folks collectively like grew up. So that like Northeast kind of like rock and roll thing was, uh, was definitely popping off for my dad at least. I think my mom, I don't know, she was, I don't know if she was as much into that, but she probably was when she was younger. I mean, my dad said he, he saw, he, I think it was like the Stooges open up for Parliament or some shit Whoa. one time. Like he saw it, the Velvet Underground at some like dingy club in like um, fucking, what was that place? Uh, Cleveland? He went to art school. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, he's a, he was a rocker, man. I mean, I remember when I first got into, like, like middle school when I got into like actual proper old rock and roll, because it was when I first started getting interested in drugs. So it was like, oh, Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles, this stuff is cool. <laughs> and my dad was like, oh yeah, that stuff's cool. He like loved the Beatles and Hendrix and all that stuff. But he was like, you gotta you gotta fuck with these Stones. And I was like, no, nah, man, the Stones suck, because <laughs> I was like, the Beatles are trippy, dude. And then like you know, in my like mid twenties, it finally like clicked i was like oh the stones he was right this whole time <laughs> <laughs> and like what
0: what was your first like like modern music that you were into
1: i mean i would say i mean obviously it was like there was like stuff like weird al and like that kind of shit when i was younger but i remember the first like first actually like wanting to like go out and get music and like acquire it like cassettes and stuff was like I remember it was, like, fourth or fifth grade, and, like, the homies, like, the crew, we were all tripping off NWA and, like, um, Ghetto Boys, and then, and then I was really big into, like, the hair metal kind of thing, or, like, the more, like, I guess the cooler side of hair metal, so, like, if, if there is one, uh, like, Guns N' Roses, yeah. Motley crew and, and shit like that. Uh, so it was like it was, like, kind of hair metal, trash hair metal. And like, gangster rap in like fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tight combo. Yeah, it was cool, and I think it kind of defined like how I kind of approach music, like being informed by rock and rap music, and all the parallels and you know the the histories that kind of like run between them.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Dude, have you ever seen this uh, this documentary? It's called like the uh, it's called like the coolest summer in hell. I think no dude oh my god so this is like my favorite shit so this documentary it's on youtube you can check it out it's uh it's basically um documents the summer of 77 in new york where like and and explores all the parallels from disco punk and hip-hop and how who like within those scenes was kind of like meshing them together or and how they were kind of working off each other In a way. And then also, like, you know, there was like the blackouts there that year. And then, like, the Son of Sam was like popping off. So it was like intense, crazy summer. And that, like, that, that period of time and that, like, obviously, like 77 is like the shit or whatever. But, like, that energy that had to be there in that place is like the most fascinating thing to me in like modern human history (laughs) or some shit, you know, just because I'm a nerd about that stuff. So it's, But it's a hell of a documentary, I I highly recommend it
0: Yeah, it seems like You Always have had this thing Where like, the two Influences are so Equal As -hmm. far as like You know, like rock, rock and roll And like hip hop And you really don't care like How it lands You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, Like, I don't know I've always found that really like influential
1: well i would say that i mean i th- i th- i think that that's something that i kind of saw in you too when i initially was introduced to you and your music i mean like you like the first what is it on is it winterize the game that you got like the the black S- sabbath break on there That's like pitch down is the it one
0: on- like yeah yeah
1: yeah the wizard
0: actually no no it's actually um I might edit it out anyway, cause, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah, we've all. I've always had that too, you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I, I and I kind of, I, I guess that that, for me, was like that's why I kind of found like a kindred spirit in you. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, 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 I think that we kind of like saw eye to eye in in those regards. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how did, like, making music like first start for you
1: oh you know I was I was dating this girl back in the day her name was Brooke and she was interested in uh hip-hop and more like electronic like drum and bass uh club culture kind of stuff and she was into it and she was like doing some stuff and writing some stuff and I I kind of was had been messing around with it in high school and we just decided to like uh, try and record some music with a buddy who made these like kind of like jazzy beats. My buddy, Justin, Justin Harris, shout out, Justin Harris. <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah, so we like, uh, we kind of like just messed around, made like a couple CDRs. Uh, they were just really, really bad <laughs> Like in terms of how, like looking back on it. It's like, kind of like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, that was luckily before the internet was popping off. Yeah. So that was like the first little thing and then uh I started making like my own stuff and then yeah, like the Fist fam was doing their thing. Uh so we kind of all linked up and then, you know, the Fist fam was birthed out of a, a few different homies that were interested in making tune.
0: Was that like maybe like eight different MCs or, or something like that?
1: What well, was like the main the main um it was like five of us. It was okay. my homie Gus, Philo, um, Jay-Z, Ronnie Mack, and then there was the homie Merkelson, and then me. And then there was like, usually like we'd put out like a CD and it'd have like one person that was like, oh, and then our, our homie Linus too, who, who you know that used to live me in SF. Um, yeah. Yeah, so and then it was like a, a few producers And then, yeah, there'd be, like, one or two people that would, like, latch on for one record. And then, I don't know, some type of shady behavior would happen or something. And they'd be, like, (laughs) exiled, kind of. That usually was, like, the formula for a fam record. It's, like, let the homie come through, record some stuff. And then he just ends up being a dumbass. And then, gotta, like, sever the ties.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And... and at the time, you guys were coming more just like underground hip-hop, right?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, it was that. I mean, um, it was cool because there was like a, a crux there as well because like Philo and Ronnie Mac and Jay-Easy came from a more uh, – a background more informed by Southern rap. Um, okay. And then like Gus and myself – Gus also knew about all the Southern stuff, and I, I kind of did too, but I more gravitated towards like New York – um, East coast kind of stuff. And then like the underground, like the West coast underground stuff and, you know, weirdo shit. Um, so there was this cool, like collection of those, those ideas informed by different, different types of rap music. So it, it, Actually made the, the product come out really interesting, I think. Like the, the music was always really interesting. Whether it was good or not is up for debate, but it was really interesting, I think.
0: I feel like the Fist Fam dudes are like some of the most unique MCs ever, you know?
1: I I totally agree, man. Like there's some fucking weirdos, dude. Like in a genius yeah. way. Like Jay Z might be my favorite, like number one MC ever. Like he's, yes, amazing. yeah, he's just incredible too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and um, at the time, like you guys were like really crushing it locally, right?
1: I think so. I mean, there was we kind of came on in on the tail, and there was this group called GFE that were they were um, a they had come out of the like um Grateful Dead tour culture. Right, right. They were like, yeah, they they started off as some like rainbow gathering kitchen with a bunch of hippies like freestyling or something, and then collectively came together. I don't know the whole history. That would actually be like an interesting documentary, like the history of GFE. But uh so so yeah, they came together and like and then I guess they, they settled in Asheville. I guess they were from different places and so they were doing stuff and we were kind of seeing them and they we were like the younger guys, um, you know, kind of coming up under them and like play shows with them. And um, they were all really cool. They'd like when they would go on tour, they would bring like certain groups from the fist fam, like to go open up for them on tour. Like I went with them one time, like uh, Iron Fist, which was Gus and Philo went with them one time. So they were really cool in terms of like kind of big brothering that that situation um yeah yeah so yeah we kind of came in on the tail end of that and then they you know they kind of like were getting older so they like they would go tour and stuff but they weren't doing as much stuff locally i guess and then we kind of like came in and and started doing a bunch of stuff and yeah we were it was popping for a little bit man we had some good shows like definitely some like nights to remember yeah some nights that you'll you probably forgot but they were ones to remember (laughs)
0: Totally. And you started a group with uh, Brycon as well, right?
1: Yeah, Brycon was, uh, yeah, he was making beats and I was rapping. It was called Simple Mathematics. That was pretty cool. That really never saw the light of day. I think we made like a CDR. There was some cool stuff on there. Um, Yeah, Brycon's the one that kind of like taught me how to make beats. Not directly, but I was just kind of... uh, you know, watching him do his thing. And it was, it was really interesting for me. And that's what definitely like pushed me more towards, uh, being interested in beats as opposed to rapping. I was definitely like a catalyst point, I think. But yeah, okay. shout out to Brycon, man. He's a, he's a beast. He's still doing his thing, man. Totally. Yeah.
0: And, and he was an Asheville dude originally.
1: He was from it? like Charlotte. And then he was kind of, oh, okay. yeah, he was in with the GFE guys and then he kind of broke off from that. I don't think he ever really fit them all. He's not really like. It's funny because, <laughs> like all the dudes that are that are in that group, like the MCs are for the most part like not hippie dudes at all. <laughs> like they're like like foul mouth jerk is from Jersey and he's just like grimy Jersey like MC. And then Brad Khan's right, right. like definitely not a hippie at all. Uh, this dude Cactus, he's he's fairly ish I guess. But uh, it's funny to like consider GFE being this like group that was birthed out of a uh, tour kid culture from the Grateful Dead. And then it's all these like, kind of like gully dudes <laughs> that are the MCs. Yeah. Like it's like conscious too, you know, they're all doing like acid and shit. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It's, I feel like there's an alliance between gully dudes and fish dudes, you know? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, most of those motherfuckers out in the lot at those Grateful Dead and Fish concerts are pretty fucking gully, dude. They might have <laughs> yeah, exactly. pants and some hemp necklaces, but they might stab you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're still they're still drug dealers, you know? Like, that's real shit. That's what always kind of weirded me out about that culture. It was like this fake, like, enlightenment thing. Mm. Not, not to diss any of the homies, but it was like, you know, growing up in Asheville, that was such a big aspect of, like youth culture there. Right. Help but see it. You know, we'd be out like skateboarding and shit around town and there'd just be like the hippies lurking. And it's like, dude, you're like preaching this like third eye enlightenment shit, but you're just like, you're like ripping people off. Exactly. Selling them like bunk (laughs) drugs or, you know, it's just like, what the fuck? That's corny. I don't know. Anyhow, side.
0: (laughs) But, um, (laughs) simple mathematics, like you guys toured, with a lot
1: of people, right? We did. I mean, you know, like it was tight because. Oh, I guess this is a this is a footnote that I forgot to mention. Like so early on, like I guess at the end of like when GFE was kind of doing their thing, or they were they were at the height of it. They were they were still popping, but um, Brycon and my friend Hardy Cooper, shouts out to Hardy, um, they put together this uh, thing called Smush Factor that they were promo- They they had like a hip hop shop. Like with like, you know, you get your like your tribal gear, your like your your nice spray paint, like markers, records. Uh, and then with that, they were doing promotions, too. So they had this thing called Smush Factor and it would they would bring in like all the kind of underground groups that were kind of coming up at the time. Like, like, you know, Atmosphere came there hella early, like Living Legends, like all that kind of stuff they were bringing through Asheville. So there was actually like a really like popping scene for underground right. hip hop there in like the I guess that would be the early to mid two thousands, maybe? Uh-huh. Mid two thousands. Um, yeah, like kind of on the cusp of those artists like kind of becoming more mainstream, you know? Uh as as mainstream as they are. So that was like yeah. thing like so we would open up uh for a lot of people when they came through and yeah, Brycon, um he was doing some tour managing stuff. So we got to, we got to tour with like, we toured with like Lewis logic and we toured with, uh, um, tame one. Who else did we tour with? Some other, some other people that were fairly popping at the time. Uh, yeah, I got to go play a show in Hawaii with tame one, which was amazing. Tame one is one of the coolest motherfuckers in the planet, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious dude. Lewis too, but, Yeah, yeah, that's, like, got to, yeah, got to, it was mostly, like, southeast, east coast, and then, yeah, we went over the west coast one time. Um, It was cool. Yeah, it was fun.
0: It's pretty wild. Like, I feel like I felt sort of, like, all that stuff was, like, far away at that time.
1: What, you from Baltimore?
0: No, just, I feel like I wasn't, like, in in a sense that I could be like, yeah, I'm going to go on tour with Lewis logic or something. Like, I guess I'm just
1: wondering like, what, what were all those shows
0: like at the time?
1: I mean, most of them were not that (laughs) popping to be honest. Like it was like uh, a lot of times, like the local promoters were, I think maybe overzealous or, or lazy. Um, Mm. Some of them were really fun. I mean, the experience was amazing, but you know, it was just, it was you know, you do these, it's, it's just kind of DIY touring. Sometimes it's popping. Sometimes it's not right. A lot of times it's not, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still like, it's still just so fulfilling to like, to do it, you know? Totally. Uh, Yeah. But it was, it was fun, man. It was cool. It was, it was a learning experience for me in terms of, in terms of that approach to music, you know? Like, the DIY, kind of just book your own shows, get in the car, and just, you know, thug it out, kind of. Yeah. Which is and great. So how, did
0: you, how did you end up moving to San Francisco?
1: Uh, well, we had some, through the Fist fam and through, like, the GFE homies, we had some mutual friends out there. And there was this group out there called GURP City who was like Z-Man. Oh yeah. We toured with Z-Man too. So that's oh, big shit, uh, Z-Man. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. So Z-Man was like, I think Z-Man might've been the connector. Cause like we did, a, me and Bracon did a tour with Z-Man and then Z-Man came and chilled with us. And we like recorded a couple songs, like the fist fam, like drinking moonshine. Like this fool was wild and like, what is up with these fucking hillbillies like like out here in the middle of north carolina like we're drinking moonshine recording weird ass music he was loving it you know like cuz he's that yeah. type of dude who just wants to put himself in like such a abstract situation and uh, he usually finds it but yeah i think that was like the link so we kind of like would travel out there and visit um, i think philo was kind of the trailblazer there and he established, like, a connection with all the Gurp City guys. Um, and, yeah, and just linked with them. Like, uh, it was pretty cool, man. Like, you know, like, knowing, like, uh, Sacred Hoop from back in the day, like, listening to their albums. And then, like, becoming friends with, like, Luke and Z and all these guys that were kind of, you know, kind of, like, really, like, looked up to in a way. And really appreciate music and then you know becoming peers with them and just homies, which is uh is really cool um and strange, I guess, in a way. But so yeah, so like we went out there, this fam kind of went out there, and then I kind of came shortly after, and we oh, and Topper was another homie. So Topper Topper was another homie that kind of like came through Asheville. And like, you know, like linked up with a bunch of people and there was like a connection between SF and Asheville with these, you know, degenerate uh, piece of shit rappers. (laughs) So so we found a common bond and a camaraderie. And then then we all just kind of moved out there just to, you know, kind of be closer to that and be more. I think we had done what we had set out to accomplish in Asheville and I, I don't think it was really necessary that anyone was there at that point anymore.
0: Yeah, and I always thought it was cool, like, when you guys went out there, you really, like, like, FistFam really embraced the, like, Bay Area sound, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, well, especially, like, I was saying, like, with Philo, like, especially Philo, like, he's very well informed about rap music, and, and not just, like, Southern stuff, but Bay Area, West Coast, yeah. N- East Coast, like, Midwest, whatever, so... Yeah, I think he was really he's always been a, into that G-funk shit too. So like the weird synthy kind of stuff like he's he's all into that. So yeah. I think he like in in terms of him being like one of the main producers of the group too, like I think uh that sound came through a lot because he was so heavily influenced by that music and being around it and you know getting kind of pumped pumped in his ear at the time too. But, yeah, it's, I, I would definitely say that there was, it was heavily influential, for sure.
0: I guess you've been doing instrumental releases before that.
1: Yeah, I put out, like, one. Uh, t- I was, like, I was more, like, it was weird. I was getting into, like, I put out some solo stuff that was, it got pretty, like, weird and dark. Um, and also, like, kind of, I got a beat machine. My brother sold me his M.P.C., And so I started messing around with it. And I was, like, really intrigued by also, like, soundscapes and stuff like that. So I started – because, like, Asheville had, like, a really cool, like, kind of noise punk kind of scene. Yeah. And so I'd be always going to those shows, too. Like, you know, it'd be, like, always – again, like, always going to the rap shows and then always going to, like, the basement punk shows and stuff, too. So – and, you know, I was listening to a lot of that stuff at the time. And a lot of my homies were experimenting with those, like, weird – weird noise stuff I mean I'd say like Baltimore and Asheville have a pretty similar like steeze in terms of weirdo punk you know yeah and like like there's some, definitely some parallels I think with the with the noise and the weirdo shit so like I was seeing a lot of that and started getting interested in that too and like you know just just experimenting you know I was getting pretty bored with rapping because it was just to the point where I was just like rapping about rap and just like oh man this is there's so many people that do this so much better than me. I should just stop <laughs> rapping and listen to Sean Price. <laughs> and so like, yeah, so I started, yeah, I started making some more instrumental leaning stuff and then made, like I made one that was like half instrumentals, half rap stuff on like a four track. And then I was just like, well, I'll just make an instrumental thing and then mm-hmm. did that. And, uh, yeah, the aqua dust. Yeah. The the aqua aqua dust? Dust thing. yeah. yeah. And that was, that was like 2000, I guess I was working on that around like 2007 and then put Mm -hmm. out CDR 2008. And then that was the first like official, like I made an instrumental album. And then, yeah, when I got to SF, I was doing some rap stuff here and there. I was more focused on art. So I was doing like more visual art when I got out there. That was kind of one of the reasons I went out there. It was like to be around the homies and the music and stuff, but I was really stoked on like the art scene that was popping um <clears throat> so got there, got hella discouraged because there was <laughs> so much good art and I was like, Well fuck, I don't really need to be doing this. So started doing some more music stuff. And then just was like, Man, rap is boring. I just need to make some beats. So yeah, yeah that's cool how that popped
0: off. <laughs> and like, do you have a release that you would point to like once you were out there doing these instrumental albums that you feel it's like the first like official one
1: kind of uh I guess you know like there was a couple like I was doing some that were just you know just experimenting you know like trying like yeah. sampling off like old weird record players with weird Needles that give like a different pitch, and like you know, like a lot of found sounds and drones and and uh running stuff through like delay pedals, and yeah, just got a bunch of like guitar pedals. So I was like messing around and like doing some cool stuff, but then I like did this thing where this there's this label called Woodsist out of uh like Brooklyn, and they do all this kind of like psychedelic weirdo folk rock type stuff um and i did like an unsanctioned remix project and put it up online and like made some cdrs and went to this showcase that they had and like we passing it out to people and uh i don't think they were too stoked on that and i got a cease and desist right. them and their <laughs> pr company <laughs> and they were just like yeah dude like you know not cool and i was like okay sorry but whatever i'm still gonna leave it online i don't I was just like in my it was funny cuz in my mind I was like yeah like I want to introduce this music it's so amazing and I love it so much I want to like introduce it to maybe this different people that never knew that it existed you know like that was my like intent and they were just kind of like oh yeah that's copyright infringement and I was like oh yeah I forgot about that part <laughs> it's like I forgot there's a business aspect to music right right um so that was like I think that was like the first thing that was like a catalyst for me kind of going on the path that that I that I am on now like it was that and then I did you know when uh Captain Beefheart died rest in peace Beefheart yeah uh I did like a little like tribute thing and made some beats out of his first record safe as milk and then put yeah. that out online. and that that got a little like shine I guess I guess it was more like because of the time like, because it was like, I made it like within like a week of him passing away and then, and put it out online. And, and, you know, some people were thinking it was cool. I think that was the first time I got like a negative review online, which was kind of cool. Uh, so that was, that was kind of like, Oh, okay, cool. Scrutiny tight. <laughs> <laughs> How did you like do
0: it so fast? Were you just working on it nonstop? I just or had like, you been was, working like, on it anyway?
1: Uh yeah, just like I just went in, I was like in the in the the little nook up in the attic of my room, just you know going at it That's it came crazy. together pretty I mean that record is just amazing, and it's so sampleable like it was yeah like it was it wasn't rocket science, you know, like it's just a right. solid record, and it's all bangers, like a hundred percent bangers, and they're all really dusty, like they're all funky, you know, like, and they're interesting. So it was really easy to put it together. Um, And, you know, obviously like I wasn't at the level where I was at or I am now. So it was just, it's basically like chopping and break beats and, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't really anything like really complex in the mix. It's really like a shitty, shitty mix. So (laughs) it, it came together. I was stoked on it. I think for the yeah, top, it was, yeah. it was cool.
0: Is that sort of what led to these other bands, like uh, getting to work with them and remix them?
1: Yeah, so that was like I, you know, when I got to SF, um, I was like I moved out there with the an ex girlfriend, and then we like we were there for about a year, and then we broke up, and I just I went to live with the Fist Fan homies, Fist Fan homies. Um, and was just like going out a lot and I was working at this store this like this store called the hundreds it's like a streetwear brand and um, I kept they kept sending these like Vice mag- like Vice's magazines label or whatever and like they're like promo-, promo CDs to play in the shop or whatever and like it was like they sent one of like King Khan and then one of the Black Lips and I was like oh what's this stuff and, I, you know, I'd heard of the Black Lips before because I think they had played in Asheville, like, back in the day, like, some, like, basement shows and stuff. But I had never really checked for them. And um, I think they had already reached some popularity. I was a little late, but uh, got the record and, like, or the, the CD and, like, put it on and was just like, whoa, what is this shit, you know? I had known about all this, like, you know, like... Not the like super cuddy garage, but some of the garage stuff and the like more primitive rock and roll. And I, but I wasn't really aware that it was like, uh, in a resurgence, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like put that shit on and was just like, this is like the coolest shit I've f- fucking heard. And so off of that, I started like kind of doing more research online and finding out stuff. And then, you know, some homies in SF were, were into, um, a lot of the bands that were popping off around then, like Ty Siegel and, and the OCs and started going to those shows like regularly and going to all the kind of like punk, so, the weird, like psych punk, weirdo punk, I guess, that was popping off in, in SF. And I, it was really cool, man. Cause I think I got to experience like one of those like CBGB eras, you know, in SF. Like it was like, I mean, these guys were playing like gay leather bars, like the spot called the Eagle and like, you know, these like really cutty little small dingy, um, dive bars, like the knockout. And, um, just, it was, it it was pretty incredible, man, to be around and see that, that scene like in its like blossoming period, like that was like right at the cusp of all those bands, like blowing up and, and kind of like going on to do their thing. So that was just, incredibly inspiring for me. And so that's when I kind of was like, okay, I want to like, you know, sample this stuff and make beats out of it. Cause a lot of it, it was real, it was real, you know, it was was pretty rock and roll. It wasn't like anarchy, hardcore punk, you know, it was like a lot of it was influenced by like kraut rock. And like, there was some real funky aspects to it. And like, like black rock and roll, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it was it was really I don't know, that was just like incredibly inspiring. I was like, "Dude, I want to like make beats out of this music." So I like went I remember after the after the um the Woods thing getting the cease and desist, I was like, "Well, I should just ask people, like, you know, if I can, like just just so I just wouldn't piss anyone off because I respected them, you know, I thought they were all great. So I went to South by one time. And, uh, I went with the intent, like the fist fam all went, like we all went together. We had a couple shows and then I, I can't remember what year this was. Maybe this was 2010. And I went with the intention to like ask fools if I could like go around, try to discover new bands, go to bands that I knew of and just kind of like get permission to, to sample stuff. And I remember Philo and I had like slept on the floor at this, uh, a friend of ours, Betsy had this little like air, airstream trailer or whatever. So we like crashed at her house and like got up early the next day and we we're like out walking around. And I had seen this band the night before called shapes have fangs that I like, I hollered at them about, you know, sampling some stuff. And they're like, yo, if you like this, cause they had like a really like Bo Diddley vibe. Like the R and B element was really, prevalent in their music but yeah. it was all really tripped out so i was like this is like everything that i love." and i was like hey do you guys mind if i sample your stuff i loved like the the style and all that and he was like yo if you if you like this you need to go check out this band night beats because they're like really into this like r&b element of of the garage thing and i was like cool all right um didn't really think about it and then the, the next day Philo and i were out walking around like looking for somewhere to go drink at like noon like haggard as hell walking through the Austin sun <laughs> and like, uh, went to this spot, Shangri-La and we went in and got a beer and there was a showcase for this label, uh, trouble in mind records. Um, mm-hmm. and we went in there and we watched this band play and they were kind of, uh, what are they called they were called hex dispensers. They were really good. Kind of like misfits, um, punk kind of sound like dark, re- very misfits influence. But, uh, yeah, but so we were checking them and we we're like, Oh, this is cool. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should go walk around a little bit. And, and I was like, all right. So we, we were leaving and I look at the flyer and it's like the next band to play is Nightbeat. So I was like, Oh wait, hold up. The homies that I talked to last night told me to stick around and watch this band. So I was like, he was like, sure, whatever. I don't care. And they just destroyed it. It was just like, so good. Like, so fucking good, and I and I went up. I was like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Blah blah blah. You know, can kind I of sample the stuff? Let me buy, buy the seven inch. Love the music. Blah, blah. And they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah." So, and then it's funny because that was like one of those chance occurrences where you just, you know, like in in like in a weird. There's like a. It's like a. You have this like chance to that kind of puts you on a path. For the rest of your life or something you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's a chance occurrence that actually like was the catalyst for me being where i am now because like being in touch with the night beats became really good friends with those guys and like they were the ones who brought me on tour to europe like the first couple tours and you know it really like got me involved with the levitation festival and like all these people and like hooked me up um immensely like i I owe so much to those dudes, man. And like when did that start? I guess two thousand twelve was the first like I think that they had like played I think the Night Beats guys played those remixes for the guys in the Black Angels. Um, and they were really into it and they were like, Oh, I guess like we should get this guy to do like a mix for the like the promotional side of the festival. So two, I put that I put that um record out sampling all the um all the garage guys in like 2011 and then yeah and then in i think it was like late 2011 they got in contact with me and in 2012 i did like the mix for i think it was 12 oh, yeah 12 so i did the mix for them and then you know got to go dj the festival and play the festival and um have been kind of connected with, with the levitation. It was called Austin Psych Fest at that time, uh, ever since then, which has been just huge, you know?
0: Was some of that, like, before we did our tour in 2013?
1: Did I, was I just about to go on tour, or was I coming from a tour?
0: You were just about to go, but but that was, like, your first European tour that you were going on. I think that was the maybe the
1: second... It, this, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the first? No, because I went there one time by myself first, and like just lost so much money and had the worst, <laughs> the worst, great experience, but like the worst tour. You know. How, how, how did you?
0: You just booked your own European tour?
1: I just had some people over there that were I was in contact with that I guess heard about me through the the mixes and my affiliation with the festival and some of the stuff. You know, some of the like that like the um, the reverberation of what is it called? That the one where I sampled all the uh garage. Yeah. It's called like distorted reverberations or whatever. Yeah. Um uh, I think that got some like that got some that got some pretty good online love. And then the the other two things, the Woodis and the um the uh beef heart thing got some love. So I think there was like a little radar out. Um but it was mainly the festival that I think got people interested in what I was doing. So yeah, I, I guess I had some connections and some people that were just hollering at me on Facebook and stuff and you know just yeah, booked, I don't know, less than like 10 shows and went over there and just kind of hung out. <laughs> Did a couple shows <laughs> yeah. in there.
0: I guess like just the lack of like guarantees and stuff made it I mean, a money. yeah, there was
1: a couple there was a couple um, guarantees like it was it was cool. Like I definitely made a little money but it was just totally inefficient. You know, I was just like going where I knew I could get shows and where I knew people. So there was a lot of long flights and train rides and stuff like that. And downtime where I would stay a couple of days here and there. And like, you know, if you're not making money or spending money. So it was just, yeah. uh, and then to get over there, I, I had this, this guy in Greece who wanted to bring me over. He's like, yeah, we'll finance the trip. And I was like, sweet. So I was like, Hey, this is how much I pay for the ticket. He's like, uh, no, we can't do that. <laughs> and i was like oh okay language barrier tight but it was all good man it was it was it it was good i I went when i went over there like i that's when i linked up with the punk slime label out of sweden and put out my first official like seven inch so that Mm -hmm. was really so yeah i mean good things come out and that's why that's why i think like if you see an opportunity and you risk it i mean there's a if the bigger the chance there is to fail, like the bigger payoff there is if you really pull it off, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Just had to do it.
0: One thing I thought would be cool to discuss: I feel like me and you went on the most fun slash least successful tour in, 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 the history history. in the history of music, in
1: history of humans. So fun. Yeah. So <laughs> devastating. <laughs> To, i love that i tour. guess and like there was definitely times like i was just like what is happening right now but then you know in retrospect or it, like it would just it would all the like parts where you're just like dude what am i doing with my life would yeah. be totally erased as soon as we had an interaction with one of these clown promoters or some shit right dude. right it's just like <laughs> such like what was that what was that house party that we played in like in uh Oh yeah. What was that guy's name? <laughs> he came to the he came, he came to the door in the robe, dog. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so uh, hey, you guys can just like hang out on the couch. There's some uh, Halloween candy if you want some. <laughs> what the fuck? And then dude was so
0: nice with the loop pedals. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as we were like walking out, it's like, oh wow, this shit's really good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but then we were like, do we need this morale boost motel six right now? Yeah. <laughs> motel six and dominoes calling my name.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like I think when you go on tour, you rely on that a few places will hold you down. Yeah. Even it's a- if- Even if some fuck up, but like in that case, it was just like the perfect storm, where I feel like we played like ten horrible shows in a row.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, it was a yeah. It's that was a that was a funny tour, man. But it was (laughs) it was perfect in that way, you know. It was it was it was almost beautiful. Yeah. In the in the amount of fuckery. Oh plus oh yeah speaking of fuckery we were just listening to star shot 97 the whole time which is like total morale boost. Totally. Shot 97 got us through that tour, man. It's really true. And then then he did the fake SHOT 97 interview. (laughs) That's right. That was like that was one of the best things I've ever experienced. Oh, I'm so glad. That was like the that was like the peak of the tour for sure, the high point. (laughs) I feel the same.
0: (laughs) Well, so how did that tour go? You left for another European tour like right after that.
1: Yeah, Uh, it actually made it so that tour was not as much of a failure
0: (laughs) financially,
1: you know. It was, like, went and did, like, the extremely fun, you know, financially just utter failure tour to, yeah, going over and having, like, a really, really great uh, European tour. It was, it was awesome. cool, man. It was definitely, like, I was, was, like, and no offense to you or anything, but I was, like, I need to just oh, yeah. tour in Europe. <laughs> Fuck this shit. I feel you. But, but um,
0: like, how was it going down, like? had you locked down a booking agent by that time?
1: Um, so yeah. So like the night beats guys, they had a booking agent, uh, this girl called Aranzu from Spain. Um, and she had a, uh, company. She has a company called Zuma bookings. I'm still with her today, but they were like, we want Al to come and be like this DJ slash opening opening slot slash play the DJ after party, after the show or something. So, it was a really, it's really cool kind of concept, I think, like play the show. And then because people over there just party till six in the morning anyways, it's like just put a DJ on afterwards and keep everybody there. Just rock out. Right. So, so yeah, the, they, they wanted me to come on the road with them and Iranzu hooked it up and, you know, got me on her booking agency. And then I've been working with her ever since. And she would tour manage the couple tours with us. She's great, man amazing yeah, that's awesome. amazing human being big big up iranzu
0: it's interesting too do you think part of your role is like you're keeping the party going obviously but do you feel like you're kind of providing like some context for this music you know like like playing like some of the old stuff that it's inspired by
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, I I, I think it's I definitely, it can polarize people. Sometimes they're weirded out and be like, what does this have to do with rock and roll music? And then some people are just like, oh, this is totally awesome. I get it. People in Europe just get that shit more because there's a more, there's, I mean, obviously like electronic music came from the States, but it also went over to Europe and just got soaked up and then grew into this crazy other thing where in you know america it was like new york miami chicago and detroit and maybe la and then like everyone else was like what is this stupid electronic music (laughs) right right not not so much now obviously like there's there's a scene like the rave scene was popping off and you know there's electronic music was big but i feel like it wasn't as embraced over here as it was over there like people over there like they'll go to the folk show at like six and then go see the rock show or the metal show at night and then they'll go to the brave at till six you know like they're just more i think open to uh you know different different type of stuff there's not there's not much of like no one really cares about like genres and stuff like that besides the people that are just completely dedicated to like one genre over there like you get all these mod dudes who are like no I only listen to garage rock original pressing right, it's like, right. okay right. <laughs> cool I wish I had $700 to spend on that record right right
0: so like going over there and doing that I'm sure that was uh, uh, in influence on the new record
1: All of it. Yeah, it's all definitely been. I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the like last like five, um, but the progression has definitely been like more increasingly, increasingly influenced by what's over there, what I've seen over there. Like, yeah, you know, like what, you know, what I was doing, like in terms of like combining the rock elements and the and the hip-hop and the electronic elements together it's like old news over there you know what i'm saying like people been doing that shit over there forever um and doing it really fucking cool and well so to be more exposed to that history over there which i was not really aware of see more electronic music like you know actually go out like to these like interesting electronic shows and stuff like that and like late night things and um be around, you know, people that, you know, hanging out with people that are just like, oh, yeah, check, come check out the record collection. Like, let me play you this. Like, let me play you this. Like, it's just been, yeah, I have been soaking it all up, man. It's really, uh, really been great. It's a blessing for sure.
0: Yeah. Wait, did you say you had five releases since, I, I don't guess know, since like 2013?
1: What is it? It's like, I releases? guess, uh, okay, not, not like, It was like, I did the, so I did like a tape in like 2011 that got put out Impose put that out on a, on a cassette thing that they did. And then I did the seven inch and then I did the goat remix thing. Oh yeah. 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 And then I did the, um, um, what was it? Sacred drugs. I did, uh, the, uh, what was it called? I can't remember the name of my own record. (laughs) <laughs> um, Cave Ritual, and then I did the Cave Ritual Remix, and then this is like the uh, yeah, it's like fourth or fifth, something like that. Proper.
0: I counted seven that you just.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, seven <laughs> inches and like the the yeah. one thing was an EP, and uh, I don't know. So, I think it's the fifth fifth vinyl release, fifth or sixth vinyl release, which is like kind of crazy to think about within the last couple years being able to put out that much stuff. Yeah. After being so frustrated for so many years, it's been like, ugh. But then also not being really good either. <laughs> I feel like this record is me like approaching perhaps like being good at at making beats in my own mind. You know? It's well, like I'm, I'm finally getting, getting there. Up. I'm getting to the point where it's like I look back at like current past releases and I'm like, all right, I did some like that's pretty cool. So I got, but then I look at stuff like that, put out like, you know, 2010, 2011, and just be like, what garbage?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like probably no one on the planet is like looking at it with that like critical eye. Not at all. Not at all. Like no, no one's like thinking about the mix on like these, like. Al Lover and Height releases From like five years ago I You hope not, I hope not Because
1: they'd be so disappointed <laughs> Worst mix ever Where's the bass? But like The new stuff is
0: Not really sample based at all right?
1: Uh, the new record has like two samples On it um, mm. I mean there's like some old samples of old like rhythm box Drum sounds and stuff but oh, In cool. terms of uh, there's like a I think there's a break beat on one and then there's two samples on two songs that kind of that I built off of as like a little, um, you know, the, the background for it. But everything else, yeah, yeah it's just mostly like, I just uh, I was just making little like leads and bass lines on, um, on my keyboard, on my computer. And then when I got home, I was, uh, it was when I was on tour, um, like in the van, and then I got home. And uh, and just kind of like put it all together Added oh, a bunch awesome. of stuff to it Yeah that was I think that was the first one that I That I used the Moog on Okay Yeah, yeah I, got a, I got a Moog The first European tour that I did I, got, I came back and I bought a synthesizer So that's when I was like Or no the second one The one after I think the one that you and I went on After that one. I came home Bought the synthesizer And was like Yeah s- Success <laughs> That's like my my mark of success was being able to buy a keyboard. I I feel like that's a pretty good mark. One of the best investments I've ever made. That thing is fucking amazing.
0: Mm, that's awesome. So what inspired this move? We were talking about it before we started, but to Austin.
1: Um, well, I just you know, I was just I have a bunch of homies here, a lot of the homies in SF, like the music homies um dipped you know everyone moved and couldn't afford to live there anymore Mm. so and and even like past that like a lot of the bands that I was really feeling and and stoked to be surrounded by and kind of in that scene like viewing these people play all the time like moved away and uh and I was just like and there's still good music there obviously but it it just was like damn like it's not as popping as it used to be, uh, in those regards. And so I was just like, maybe I should just go somewhere else, you know, somewhere. And the festival was here. I wanted to be closer to that. I've been working more with them, uh, recently and, uh, and yeah, I just, I just thought it would be a good move. I kind of needed a little break from the excesses of, of the city and, Mm little country living, man I want to just live out in the middle of nowhere And grow vegetables And, <laughs> like, make music
0: That's awesome, man
1: Yeah, at least for a couple of years Just, yeah. like, compress for a while Yeah, doing all that, like, touring and stuff Like, over in Europe I mean, like, definitely put my body Aged my body probably 10 years <laughs> You know, like <laughs> Hard living, dude Good times and hard living. So you feel like you need to,
0: like, when you're not on tour, be very much chilled out?
1: I would like to be. I mean, I'd like to yeah. be just more chilled out in general. I've been, like, trying to get on this health kick and, like, you know, eating more plant-based and um, trying not to drink as much, you know, like, to look after myself, exercise and shit. You know, I'm getting old, so I was just like, need to need to come correct in that department word word yeah
0: like as far as i mean i know you just put something out but do you have anything on the horizon that you'd like to mention
1: yeah i have something i'm working on now that is like just kind of just outlines basically but last time i was in europe i was like i had like a existential crisis breakdown in Paris. I was in Paris for like two weeks and I feel like it was kind of fitting because it was like autumn in Paris and it was rainy and it was like, I was depressed and I was like, this is very poetic. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, I need to like create something. Cause I know I figured out like, that's what I was like. That's why I was going insane. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't able to be in a creative space. Um, so I was working on something. I started working on something that is more just like, uh arpeggiation drone weird shit yeah i don't know we'll mm. see it's it's definitely like getting more and more minimal and um, abstract which is something i'm pretty excited about but i got to wait till i have a place um to sit down and and finish it um and then i also I, f- I did i made a record i stayed in holland for a couple weeks and kicked it with these guys It's called a uh cairo liberation front there are these uh-huh. two dudes, these younger dudes that um they do this uh they do this dj stuff of this egyptian music called electro shabi which mm. is this fucking amazing music that's like coming out of uh of uh cairo right now like from the like the lower you know like the lower income communities and stuff and it's amazing like it's mm. it's so punk in spirit But it's also, like, super informed by, like, hip-hop sensibilities, like American hip-hop sensibilities. But it's completely – it's, like – there's, like, a couple different kinds. There's, like – I guess there's, like, the electronic electronic kind. And then there's these guys that'll just, like – they'll set up, like, two drum sets and play, like, live in the outside. And then a guy, like, with a crazy Casio keyboard. And they just freak these, like – you know kind of arabic scales and just while out and it's super dancey and it's so cool man so they're like they're trying to like introduce that to europe um cuz they they just kind of discovered it somehow and they've been you know going back and forth like trying to do some like uh beats for these guys and remixes and trying to just promote it to uh to europe which is really cool and like you know they're kind of like on some like we want to like introduce this to like help dissolve some of the like islamophobia you know what i'm saying cuz it's like it's like this is like middle eastern stuff that like like these are just kids in middle in the middle east that are just trying to do their thing it's like uh, you know with the climate there and it's not a political agenda or anything it's just like it's it's in the back of their mind so i think that's really really cool and um anyways so i was hanging with them for like a couple weeks and we made a record uh it's like an ep it's like six songs uh that we're looking at to try to get a label to um to put it out now i think we got a little interest so um hopefully that'll be out soon this year oh wow
0: that sounds
1: awesome yeah yeah it's like kind of like my style like beats drones uh harsh overdrive type stuff and then they have this like you know arabian uh, synthesizer so it's got like the like the cool like arabic scale like synth freak out type stuff it's pretty cool it sounds like like it's kind of got like a video game 8 bit kind of sound to it
0: yeah
1: yeah like some like donkey kong weirdo donkey kong level shit <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tight man i'm 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 digging it i'm i'm stoked to, to get it out Oh man, well that sounds great. Yeah, so that that hopefully will be out soon. But yeah, that's kind of all right now. I just kind of stepping back a little bit. Just getting you know, I gotta to acclimate to the new environment. So Totally.
0: Yeah, well man, thanks so much for doing this.
1: I appreciate it, man. Thanks. I've been I've been wanting to get on this hype for so long, dude. All right, that's it, man. Thanks to
0: Al. We'll see you next week.